The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, guys? Happy 2024. Happy New Year. And, uh, yeah, we're off to the races here. We're closing up week number 17 of the NFL season here on the fourth phase. And this is the first episode of 2024. I guess, you know, I mean, it's we're in the calendar year 2024, but we're still wrapping up 2023. We still got a week left to go in the 2023 season. Then we got about a month worth of playoffs in the Super Bowl before we're finally before we're actually done with the 2023 uh, season. So first episode of the 2024 calendar year, but we still got more 2023 to finish up with. And yesterday was quite an interesting day. Uh, of of football i mean it, it's just it, it was maddening some of the things that were happening um and, and you know watching it all go down the way it did and don't even get me started about saturday and that cowboys and lions game which thankfully i did put as a pick six game so i get to talk about that one at length uh here in a few minutes but um miami and baltimore was nowhere near the matchup i thought it was going to be the Philadelphia Eagles apparently aren't happy. Uh, you know, like they 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 are the the football equivalent of someone who isn't happy unless they're miserable. Because Philadelphia is just trying to make things as difficult as possible in trying to get back to the Super Bowl this year for a team that five weeks ago was ten and one. They're now eleven and five, and they just lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals and. It was an ugly loss at that. I mean, it's not like the Cardinals came in and blew them out of the water or anything, but the fact they lost the game, period. I mean, looking at their schedule, if your last, if you look at your team's last three games and you see the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants, you are over the moon because you're playing two of the worst teams in football to wrap up your season, and yet Philly almost lost to the Giants last week. They did lose to the Cardinals this week, and they play the Giants again in New York next week. So, yeah, and not only do they have to win that game against the Giant, a team they barely beat last week, but they also need the Commanders to win next week and beat the Cowboys if they want to, A, win the NFC East and be at home for the playoffs because – if they win and the Cowboys win, the Cowboys have the tiebreaker. They win the NFC East, and they, this very dangerous home team, are at home for the first two rounds of the playoffs. They'll win the wild card round, most definitely, I believe. They'll likely win the divisional round. Unless, of course, it's the Lions. Then, uh, I don't know, the Lions. The Basically, the Lions beat them on Saturday, and they got screwed by the referees, but... Uh, you know, but essentially, best case scenario, Dallas is at home for until the NFC Championship game because I believe the 49ers are going to run the table in the NFC. They're still my NFC pick, and we'll see what happens there. But yeah, 
So Philadelphia, I guess that like I said, they're the football equivalent of not being happy unless they're miserable because they are making things as difficult as humanly possible if they want to make it back to the Super Bowl uh, this year. Right now, they are the five seed, and they are on the road for the entirety of the playoffs unless a bunch of upsets take place and they play the sixth or the seventh seed in the NFC Championship game. But the likelihood of that is not great at this point. So, yeah. Then you had the uh, the Jaguars beating uh, the uh, Panthers and giving the Bears the number one pick. I actually switched my pick to the Bears over the weekend, thinking like, you know what, I'm going to go with the Bears. If they beat the Falcons, great. If they don't, then whatever. But uh, not only did they win, they dominated the Falcons, which was awesome uh, to watch. The fans made themselves heard with the We Want Fields chants throughout the game and especially at the end uh, when uh, addressing the uh, the, the uh, elephant in the room that we do have the number one pick, but yeah, that guy that you know did over three hundred yards and two touchdowns over the Falcons this weekend. That's we want that guy in twenty twenty four, not some kid you're going to draft uh, out of college. So yeah, and and other very exciting uh, matchups and and everything. And but honestly, I'm looking more forward to week eighteen now than. Uh, than I am in, in recapping this. So let's go ahead and get this over with. This is the Week 17 review episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase. Presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Man, I almost forgot to mention the uh, the, the Raiders doing the most Raidering thing of all time by, uh, by, by beating the Chiefs last week and then pissing away their season in Indianapolis on Sunday. And then Tampa Bay basically did the exact same thing, only... They still have a chance to win the division, but they could have clinched it yesterday on Sunday. They could have clinched the division. They would have been up two games with one to play. They would have been they would have been nine and seven. So they would have been, you know, New Orleans would have been seven and nine. Atlanta would have been seven and nine. They're not being caught. Tampa Bay clinches the division. They're going to the playoffs no matter what. Now they have to beat Carolina next Sunday, which isn't the most arduous task there is, but Carolina's been very grouchy lately and not making things easy uh, for te- for people. But, uh, yeah. And then New Orleans and Atlanta are basically fighting to be the a- NFC South champ if Tampa Bay loses. So they are the biggest Carolina Panther fans in the world next Sunday while they're playing each other, and they hope to be the last man standing representing the NFC South in the uh, – in the uh, playoffs with a losing record for the second year in a row. So, yeah, that will be interesting. So, But Buffalo set themselves up for an AFC East championship game next week against the uh, um, Dolphins, and both the Ravens and the 49ers clinched the one seed. So everybody else is playing for two or three, you know, in that division, you know, to be the home team. Uh, in these uh, playoff rounds as opposed to uh, having a shot at getting the week off. So, yeah. So, anyway, let's go ahead and uh, 
get right in, even though there was a bunch of spoilers in that. But uh, we'll begin, as we always do, in our review episodes with the All Out Blitz. All Out Blitz for the Week 17 review. We begin on Thursday night football in Cleveland. The Browns scored five times in the first half, including three Flacco TD passes and a pick six. The second half was uneventful, but the Browns held on and clinched a playoff berth 37-20. to Tennessee at Houston. C.J. Stroud was back, and the offense got back on track. The offense added over 300 yards, and the defense added a scoop and score TD to win easily over the Tennessee Titans, 26-3. Atlanta at Chicago. Justin Fields accounted for over 300 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday as the Bears quietly got their fifth home win in a row, 37-17 over the Falcons. Las Vegas at Indianapolis in the most Raider thing ever. They respond to beating the rival Chiefs only to squander their playoff hopes by losing a winnable game against the Colts, 23-20. New Orleans at Tampa Bay in the most NFC South thing ever. The Buccaneers lose a chance to clinch the division as Derek Carr and the Saints dominate the Buccaneers in their own building, 23-13. Josh Allen and the Bills, New England at Buffalo. They nearly squandered their their season against the Chargers last week, but on Sunday they tightened things up against the Patriots and then set themselves up to play for the AFC East title in Miami next week, 27-21. Arizona at Philadelphia. Philly, why do you hate yourselves? Beat the Cardinals and you control your own destiny, but instead, four straight touchdown drives in the second half by the Cardinals did you in, and you blew that chance. Good God. Carolina at Jacksonville. I'll admit I was nervous when I heard C.J. Beathard was starting for Trevor Lawrence, but the football gods smiled upon me as the Jags beat the Panthers and easily secured the number one pick for my Bears. Hip, hip, hooray. The Rams at the Giants. This one came down to two missed opportunities by the Giants in the final minutes of the game. First, after a punt return TD, they failed the two-point play. Then Mason Crosby was wide left on a 54-yard field goal to give the Rams a close 26-25 win over the G-Men. San Francisco at Washington. The Commanders kept it close for one half, only down 13-10 at the half. But the Niners took over in the second half, won the game, and clinched the number one seed in the NFC, 27-10. Chargers at Denver. Jared Stidham starting for the bench. Russell Wilson was uneven in his first start for Sean Payton, but it was enough to finish the sweep of the Chargers and get Denver a win, 16-9. And finally, on Sunday Night Football, Jordan Love threw four touchdowns, two to Jaden Reed, as the Packers led 23-3 at the half and cruised to a 33-10 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. And there you have it, guys, the all-out blitz for week number 17. Let's go ahead and talk about our big featured games of the week in the week 17, pick six. Pick six, week number 17. We begin in Dallas on Saturday night, which was uh, basically the Monday night football broadcast for the week because uh, ESPN has Monday night football, but they also 
are the sole uh, broadcast partner of the college football playoff, and both of those games are tonight. And as a matter of fact, I need to wrap this up because one of them is about to start here in the next 45 minutes. So I need to hurry it up. So, so the Saturday night game was the Lions and the Cowboys, a big matchup uh, because both of these teams are basically fighting for the two seed. I mean, at the moment, the Cowboys were a game behind the uh, Eagles, so they were on. They were the wild card team um, right now, which was uh, a nightmare scenario for the Cowboys because the Cowboys are three and five on the road this year. They are undefeated and dominant in their home building. Uh, in the Jerry Dome or AT&T Stadium, as I was reminded that it's actually called. But, um, you know, if they don't, if say if they lose this game and the, you know, the Eagles keep winning, then, you know, Dallas is on the road throughout the entirety of the playoffs unless, of course, one of the lower seeds advances to the NFC Championship game. Other than that, the the, the Cowboys who have been, I guess shaky would be the best word I would use to describe how they are on the road. Uh, uh, terrible would probably be another one, especially with big losses to Buffalo and Miami in the last you know three, four weeks or whatever. Dallas doesn't want to be on the road. They want to be at home. And this game was important in making that happen. The Lions doesn't really matter for them because I think they're just as good at home as they are on the road because I think they're like six and two at home, five and two on the road. So it's not that big a deal for the, for the lions, the lions show up to play and show up. They did uh, on Saturday. As a matter of fact, both defenses played really well uh, in this game. It was one of the few opportunities uh, or one of the few times, or actually maybe the only time this season that Dallas didn't damn near break the scoreboard on their opponent. Because even in that close game that they had with the Seahawks on Thursday night football, the score was still like what 45 41 to 35 or something crazy like that. They scored 33 on Philly a couple of weeks ago um in their last home game, but they beat they beat uh you know 30 something to 10 uh over the Jets. They scored 43 on the Rams, I mean 45 on the Commanders, so on and so forth. They've been really really dominant especially on offense uh at home. But both defenses really showed up for this one, as a matter of fact, if not for a 92-yard pass from C.D. Lamb, uh, uh, from uh, Prescott to C.D. Lamb, the Lions completely shut the Cowboys out in the first half. It was only like seven to three uh, at halftime. Yeah, both teams scored on their first possession. The Lions uh, drove down the field, settled for a field goal, and the Cowboys, on that one big play, went 92 yards for a touchdown to C.D. Lamb, and it actually. I still contend they got away with a holding call uh, on their right tackle. They, I, I saw him, you know, that, that, and it's the thing that the referees look for because the Bears got caught doing it yesterday uh, against the Falcons. Justin Fields had this big 30-plus yard uh, run in the game, and it was the second week in a row this has happened too. Lucas Patrick gets called for the hold, but not because he egregiously held anybody, but because he's got his back to his quarterback, can't see what he's doing, and he's reacting to what the defensive lineman is doing. So the defensive lineman react to what Fields was doing, and when he did, his arms got extended, and it looks like he's holding. So he gets caught for the holding penalty, call that 30-yard run back. And that's what I saw on that play. I saw the right tackle do that to the defensive end or whoever 46 is for the uh, 
for the Lions. And but then uh Dak, you know, launches it down. Number one, they had a blitz, and it was a perfectly called blitz by Aaron Glenn, and whoever 55 is for the Lions blew it. He all he had to do, he was dead. He had Dak dead to rights on that play. He came right through, untouched. It was the delayed blitz. So basically the hole opened up and pume, he runs through it. It looked like he was trying to knock Dak over. Like maybe it's like all of a sudden he got in his head about what penalty he could be called for if he hits Prescott. So it looked like he went to go and push him down. And Dak kind of steps inside, throws the ball downfield. Kendall Vildor, the former Bear, was covering C.D. Lamb. He falls down while the ball is in the air. So all C.D. Lamb has to do is catch it, and he did. And then he literally kind of just half-trotted his way into the end zone untouched like 40 yards for the uh, touchdown. But that was literally all the offense that the Cowboys really mustered in the first half. It was 7-3 to three, uh, at halftime. And it didn't get much better in the second half. Obviously, there were, there were more points uh, scored, but it's not like all of a sudden each offense figured the defense out and um, they just started rattling off the big yards. As, you know, From what I can tell, the only person that really had a great night offensively was, in fact, C.D. Lamb uh, with his uh, 227 yards receiving. But, uh, you know, he caught 13 passes on 17 targets for 227 and and that one 92-yard uh, touchdown. And, you know, it, it wasn't like Dallas just then started rattling off the points. The final score was 20-19. to 19. Um, Both teams could not run the ball to save their lives. You know, the, the Lions didn't end up with bad rushing totals, but for what they've been able to do in the past, for how good their offensive line is, it was very much feast or famine with the running game for both teams, actually. You know, they, they either gashed their opponent for like 8 to 11 yards or they got stuffed for a loss, and there was very little in between. There may have been a 3-yard gain here, a 4-yard gain there, but overall it was chunk yardage or losing yardage. <laughs> so there was a lot of third and long type situations uh, because of it, and the defense kind of ruled the day uh, in this one. So... Let's get down to the nuts and bolts of it, all right? We're getting down. The Jared Goff throws a really bad interception with about two minutes to go, two, two and a half minutes to go in the game. The Lions defense holds firm, forces a um, field goal because it was 17-13, to 13, but with the field goal, now it's 20-13. to 13. There's about a minute 40 to go. The Lions have burned up all their timeouts. They got to go the length of the field down by four or down by six. Seven, excuse me, 20 to 13. Do the math, Larry. Seven points. They got to score a touchdown, okay? And I think everyone who's watched one second of Detroit Lions football this week knows if they score, they're going for two. I was calling it as soon as Detroit started moving the ball. Some really good passes from uh, Goff to Sam Laporta. uh, Move the ball downfield. They're getting down there. Um, And sure enough, with about 20-something seconds to go, Goff finds Amon Ross St. Brown. He dives into the end zone. It's 20 to 19. The Lions are going for two. Okay. So I'll tell what happened and then I'll tell you what happened. Okay. On the two point play, the Lions run a tackle eligible play. Uh, Goff finds a wide open Taylor Decker in the end zone for the two points. 
and everybody's celebrating. The Lions, the Lions uh, sideline is going crazy. Everybody's celebrating the fat guy, you know, a conversion that's put them ahead 21 to 20. There's 20 seconds left, and it really looks like the Lions are going to pull this off, give the Cowboys their first home loss uh, of the season. Then the flag comes out, and it turns out that the referee says the flag was for illegal touching, which basically means Taylor Degger should not have caught the ball. He was an ineligible player. And saying that number 70, Dan Skipper, the swing uh, offensive lineman for the Lions, was the one that reported not 68. So, therefore, he wasn't eligible to go out for a pass. He wasn't eligible to catch that. Therefore, the play is nullified. Five-yard penalty. Retry the down. Okay. So they retry the down even after the entire world blows up on the Detroit sideline over there. So they regroup. They're still going for two, not going to kick the extra point. They're going to win the game. Okay. Then on the second conversion try from the seven-yard line, Micah Parsons jumps offside, so it's a free play. I think it ends up getting picked off by the Cowboys, or at the, or at the very least it was an incomplete pass. But you move it five yards. It's actually half the distance to the goal, which puts it at about the three-and-a-half Yard line, do the Lions kick the extra point then? No. Campbell still wants to win the game. He wants to win the game and get the hell out of Dodge. I don't blame him. I support this 100%. And even though this is not my team I'm talking about, I am living vicariously through the Lions, so I was rooting my ass off for him, even though I picked the Cowboys to win this game. I wanted the Lions to win. And the third and final two-point uh, conversion attempt was a really bad throw. From golf, he threw it behind, back behind him, and low to his receiver, to where he had to stop all of his momentum. And it's really hard when you're going in one direction to lean back into the other. And uh, he did not catch the ball; falls innocently to the ground. Cowboys hold, Cowboys win, and then the real aftermath begins because now we now we've got clips a showing golf pushing, you know, like kind of you know, directing Taylor Decker to go to the referee to report. Then you see Taylor Decker walk up to him. You see him nod. You see the referee nod his head. And then what I didn't hear during the broadcast, but I just heard the, you know, on Sunday, was the referee announced to the crowd number 70 reported as eligible. Now I'm guessing maybe it was the crowd noise. Maybe it was being wrapped up in the moment or whatever. Nobody on the Detroit sideline or on the field, that for that matter, protested the announcement that number 70 had been reported as eligible. So, you know, take the, I don't know what to make of that, but, you know, nonetheless, the play went down the way it did. Everything happened the way it did. And the, the NFL has responded. That team, that, uh, that uh, refereeing crew has already been basically uh I guess regulated or they're not going to the playoffs. They're not going to be a crew that calls a playoff game because this is not the first major mistake that they've made this year. Uh, a few weeks ago when the Packers and the chiefs were playing, I believe on Sunday night football, there was a blatant and egregious pass interference call uh, that should have been called on green Bay. They did not call it. This was also the crew that called the Miami Dolphins for every penalty under the sun and didn't call the the Eagles for anything on a Sunday night football. So that's three national TV games where they have just 
they've been they've affected the outcome of the football game in the most negative way possible. And uh, you know, so I don't know what will happen to them aside from basically calling their last game in week 18 next week. Uh, what else will happen to them? How they'll be, you know, disciplined or fined or, or you know, whatever the situation is. But, uh, yeah, this is not the first mistake they've made. And kind of the cherry on top for all of us who've been out here talking about how terrible the officiating has been this year and how, how egregiously bad it's been, the calls that are right there in front of them and they're missing it uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, you, you understand there's uh, – in the heat of the moment type things that can get missed or whatever. But then that's what the replay booth is for and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I just know that there's probably going to be heavy conversations with the competition committee over the off season about what can be done to uh, basically take the officials out of the game, the way that they've been affecting the outcomes. It's not so much that they make the right call and what happens happens. It sucks that it came down to an official these guys are missing calls, they're making bad calls, and it's you know bringing forth a result that shouldn't have happened. The Lions should have won this game, and that's all there is to it. The Lions should have won the game. Now the Cowboys are in line with Philly blowing it yesterday uh, against the Cardinals. The Cowboys are the NFC champs right now. You know All they have to do is beat the Commanders uh, next Sunday, which they did 45-10 to 10, uh, on Thanksgiving Day. I don't anticipate it would be too difficult for them to repeat something close to that to close out the year, and they're the NFC champs and the number two seed uh, in the NFC because they've got the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Lions. Uh, so basically the Lions are the third seed no matter what, and you know they'll only get to see each other maybe in the divisional round for a rematch, and that's what I'm kind of hoping for now. But Philly needs to win, and they need the Cowboys to lose to the Commanders to reverse what they, you know, messed up yesterday. But unbelievable game, lots of fun, crazy drama, and not the right result as far as how the game should have played out. But I picked the cow. I picked the Cowboys. I stuck to my guns in picking the Cowboys. So what are you gonna do? Miami at Baltimore. I thought this might be an AFC Championship. Uh, game preview. Uh, and if it is, I anticipate spending a lot of time on my phone during that game because this was not an exciting matchup. This was an out-and-out bloodbath uh, in this uh, in this game because the Dolphins held a 10-7 lead at the end of the first quarter. And then after that, the Ravens went on a 49-9 to run to uh, close out the football game. You know, three touchdowns in the second quarter. They added one in the third, and then three more in the fourth quarter to annihilate the Dolphins, 56-19. to And, you know, Lamar was almost perfect for everyone talking about him being the MVP this season, I think he pretty much cemented that yesterday. He was 18 of 21 for 321 and five touchdowns uh, in this game. So, like I said, he was practically perfect. And even Tyler Huntley, who came in for mop-up duty at the end, was one for one for 19 yards and a touchdown. So six touchdown passes thrown uh, by the Ravens. You had a rushing touchdown each for Gus Edwards and Melvin Gordon. Uh, in this one, there's your eight touchdowns 
there. So they got to 56, and the defense didn't get involved as far as uh, putting points on the board. Two of through two interceptions. I think one of them was to Roquan Smith, if I'm not mistaken, former Bear. Yeah, Roquan Smith, Geno Stone picked off the uh, other one. But, you know, overall, and in the end, I feel silly because every game like this for the Ravens has been disastrous for their opponent. The Lions early in the season, uh, the Seahawks came to town on a winning streak, got annihilated by the Ravens. It's basically any time a good team has come to town, not only has the Ravens won that game, but they've destroyed them in the process. I mean, hell, they did it on the road last week against the 49ers in San Francisco. So, yeah, if I could go back and do it, I probably would have put big points on the Ravens because this is what they've done this year. They've kind of played up and down to their opponents, and when they play up to their opponents, they are the unquestioned best team in the league. So, yeah, I mean, they solved that uh, mystery last week in San Francisco when they manhandled the 49ers, which no one had been able to do uh, up to this point because the 49ers annihilated the other two best teams in the NFC in Dallas and Philadelphia. They haven't had a bite at the Detroit Apple yet, but we'll see if maybe that is our NFC championship game. Knock on wood. But, uh, you know, anytime that uh, one of the NFC powerhouses has come to San Francisco, they get destroyed. And San Francisco beat Philly in Philly. So, and then, you know, Baltimore went out there and ripped them to shreds when they were on a six-game winning streak at the same time. So, yeah, I, I don't anticipate that. Uh, like right now, if I was betting, I'm, I'm betting on the Ravens to represent the AFC in the uh, Super Bowl. And that would be in a rematch in the Super Bowl as far as the, the uh, Ravens and the 49ers. It was Super Bowl 47, I believe. The one in New Orleans where the lights went out halfway through the game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I think that the the Ravens would probably win it too. But then again, the last time that the Ravens were dominant and made a run at the number one seed was in 2019 when they got boosted in the, in the divisional round uh, by the Tennessee Titans. So, who knows? So, they got to they gotta step up and do it in the uh, postseason, which has not exactly gone well for them. They lost last year in the wild card round uh, and everything like that. So we'll see. I would, If I was a betting man, I'd be betting on the Ravens, but f- football can be a funny thing, especially in the postseason. That's where, you know, the, the, the best teams start playing their best football. And uh, lately it has been the calling card for the Ravens to disappoint in the, uh, in the playoffs. So keep that in mind but nonetheless uh i chose the ravens to win i thought it would be a much closer much more competitive uh matchup you know but they sacked two or three times they picked them off twice they completely shut the offense down in the second half only giving up six points uh to the dolphins meanwhile they tacked on they were up 28 to 13 at halftime and won the game 56 to 19 so the ravens made it look easy and uh now Miami is is trapped in a game in Miami, lucky for them, which is where they've been more successful uh, this season. But uh, they got to play Buffalo, and they got to beat them to win the AFC East title uh, on, uh, on Sunday. <laughs> Pittsburgh and Seattle, both teams needed a win in this game to keep postseason hopes in their grasp. 
Seattle wanted to hang on to the seventh seed, and Pittsburgh wanted to have something to play for next week, week 18. Sadly for them, uh, it's the Ravens that they have to beat in order to uh, get to, in order to have a shot at the playoffs, because they're actually, I think, like the nine seed right now. So not only do they have to beat the best team in the NFL, but they also need help uh, from people in front of them uh, as well. So let me pull that up here real quick and what the playoffs look like. So the yeah, the Steelers are the nine seed right now. Your wild cards are Cleveland. That's clinched. That's not uh, that's not changing. Buffalo is in right now with the at the sixth seed. Indianapolis at nine and seven is the seventh seed, and then you have the Texans at nine and seven, and the Steelers at nine and seven. So, and Houston's got a head-to-head win over uh, Pittsburgh, and Houston and Indianapolis are playing each other on Saturday. I think that's the uh, that's this week's Monday night game. It's one of the Saturday games. Is the Ravens and the Steelers? And then the Colts and the Texans uh, in Indianapolis. So big matchup there, which is, uh, I don't know, depending on if, you know, if Jacksonville shows up against Tennessee, that very well could be for the AFC South uh, championship. So it's a big game nonetheless for, you know, to see if you can get into the playoffs and to all also possibly have an outside shot at the uh, division championship. The Steelers, on the other hand, they need, uh, I think they basically need everybody in front of them to lose. They need Houston and Indianapolis, which one of those is going to cancel the other out. And you got Buffalo uh, in there as well. You need Buffalo to lose to uh, to Miami to, uh, to have a shot there. Because then I think Pittsburgh would leapfrog. Miami, because then if Pittsburgh wins, they'll be seven and five in the conference, and and Buffalo would be six and six in the conference. So on that, they would jump ahead. So yeah, they need you know whoever's going to be the last man standing with Houston and Indianapolis, and then they need Buffalo to lose, I think, to make the playoffs, and they have to beat the Ravens on top of it. So we'll see. I mean, the Ravens are locked up at number one, so maybe they don't really, maybe they don't play next week. Or maybe they play to keep the Ravens out. We'll see. But in this one with Seattle, in his short time, Mason Rudolph is playing better than any other Steeler quarterback has this season. He went 18 of 25 for 274 in this game. George Pickens, who was the cancer of all cancers a couple of weeks ago in that loss to the Colts, caught for 131 uh, yards in this game. But it was the ground game where the Steelers put their stamp on the game. Najee Harris ran 422 yards and two touchdowns, and his backup and his uh, running mate, Jalen Warren, added another 75 yards and a touchdown in the game. Each one of them ran at or more than five yards a carry in the game, and the Seattle Seahawks no, had no answer for it. Even when they were down 30-23, to 23, they needed a stop to try to go and tie the game. The, the, the Steelers just ran it down their throats and iced the... Uh, ice the game as a matter of fact uh Najee Harris had one of those plays where he could have scored he broke right through the line was was going to score on under any normal circumstances he would have but instead he uh slides and uh you know is ruled down at like the two yard line and that gave them the first down Seattle was out of timeouts ball game was over uh at that point so 
neither one of these teams has been a team that I could really trust this season. When I thought Steelers were coming on, that's when they started losing. When I thought the Seahawks were done, they started winning. And here they were with an opportunity to basically kind of lock in uh, the seventh seed. It uh, it didn't happen. So right now, um, just to confirm, they are on the outside at 8-8. Eight and eight. They are behind uh, the Rams at 6, and the Packers at 7 are now the – the Packers at 8-8 eight and eight are now the seventh seed, and they uh, – they had the tiebreaker over Seattle and over New Orleans, who was the other eight and eight team uh, right now. So, yeah, it's uh, they needed that game bad, and uh, sadly, my beloved Chicago Bears were eliminated when the Packers won their game yesterday because it was something weird. The Bears needed the line, the the Vikings and the Packers to tie to have a shot at a playoff berth next week in Green Bay. And, uh, you know, so either one of those teams winning would have eliminated the Bears. So, but I know Packer fans are enjoying the fact that them beating Minnesota yesterday eliminated the Bears. So it's like they eliminated the Bears. So, but uh, we'll get our revenge next week when we eliminate them to finish off the year. Man, I want that game so bad. But uh, I picked Seattle. They let me down. And finally, Cincinnati at Kansas City. Not a very entertaining game. I watched a good uh, chunk of it uh, on Sunday afternoon. And uh, after a first quarter touchdown by the Chiefs when Mahomes hit uh, Isaiah Pacheco for an eight-yard touchdown, it was after that, it was the Harrison Butker and Steve Spagnola show. Because Harrison Butker added six field goals, including three, in the fourth quarter, and Steve Bagnolo was the coordinator for the defense that completely shut the uh, Bengals down and shut them out in the uh, in the second half. So the 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 Chiefs are still struggling, and yesterday it was it was so Matt Nagy it's ridiculous because this is what the Bears used to do when Nagy was calling the plays. We would be monsters from the 20 to the 20, but as soon as we got to the red zone, basically we were all thumbs. We just could not figure out how to get in there, and we were settling for field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, and that's why the Bears lost so many games with Nagy because you know we were, we were kicking field goals, and then our opponent would score a touchdown. And you know basically we had to score twice for every one time that they scored, three times if we wanted to stay ahead. And, you know, there's just only so much time in a football game. Thankfully, because of Steve Spagnolo and that uh, feisty Chiefs defense, they were able to uh, shut Cincinnati down uh, after they took a 17-7 to lead. It was all field goals from Butker after that. Eight or six, six field goals on the, on the day. So there isn't much to talk about here. The Chiefs got by on, their, on the chinny-chin-chin. Chin. With the win, they clinched their eighth AFC uh, West Championship, thanks to the Raiders losing. And uh, the Bengals were finally eliminated from the playoffs. So that's over for them uh, as well. So, you know, like I said, not a lot to talk about there. It was all field goals and defense, especially in the uh, second half. So it's not like there was some kind of revelation. And Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs offense just figured it out. And all of a sudden they were slinging it all over the field and making it happen. 
they're still making you know mistakes. They're still stumbling their way through things. They still lead the league in drops. They're up to over 40 drops now on the season, which is very unchief-like. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to see if, if maybe going into the postseason, hand the book over to Andy Reid and let him call the plays because Matt Nagy's killing this team. Um, anyway, I picked the Chiefs. They got it right, so at least there's that. There you have it, guys. That is the Week 17 review episode of the fourth phase. And I'm uh, going to try a little something something a little different for next season. Next season. Next week, uh, I should say, for Week 18. Uh, when we come back on Thursday with the Week 18 preview, what I'm going to do is talk about every game at length. Not so much at length, but say maybe give anywhere from three to five minutes to each game, just kind of talk about them all because they all carry some kind of weight um in the you know in the schedule uh next week obviously some games it's talked about a little bit more than others so no all-out blitz next week but we'll uh we'll uh it's kind of like uh, a preview of what the playoffs are going to look like because there's only six matchups in the playoffs so the entire show will be the pick six um and then the review episodes for the playoffs will basically look like this I'm going to do an all-out blitz to kind of sum up everything that happened, and then I will talk about the games at length afterwards. So that's what we can look forward to uh, during the uh, playoffs. And then when we get to the conference championship games, and there's only two games, there's not going to be an all-out blitz for that. <laughs> so, Or maybe there will be. Maybe I have to get creative about it. We'll have to see. But um, nonetheless, on Thursday, we're going to give each game a few minutes, talk about these teams and how their seasons have gone, what this game's mean? What this game means, if anything, uh, going into the final Sunday of the uh, season, and then uh, that'll be it for the regular season. And uh, as far as our previews are, are concerned, so come back on Thursday for Week 18, the beginning of the end. Boo hoo, boo hoo, boo hoo! But uh, come on back on Thursday for that. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we will see you next time.